0: Welcome to episode 290 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fan's weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Solosi. And this is one of our more spontaneous episodes, uh, because instead of planning this months and months in advance, I planned this episode about one month in advance because it's about the thing that I've been playing the most the past 30 days, Monster Hunter. Uh, Listeners might remember a 2018 episode called The Thrill of the Hunt, in which me and two others uh, celebrated Monster Hunter and got excited for Monster Hunter World, which I think had just released. So this was in January or February of 2018. But now it is May or June of 2021, and we are going to talk about slightly different selection of monster hunter with a slightly different panel so who's (laughs) that panel it is myself and alongside me is peter treisenberg
1: hi everybody
0: and dom kim hello hello now dom and peter the three of us are in different stages of our monster hunter journeys and uh i want to take this episode a a little bit like the one from three years ago where we're going to talk about uh what we love about monster hunter what monster hunter we've been Uh, playing because all three of us have been playing monster hunter recently but not quite the same monster hunter or the same stages of monster hunter so and i'll say monster hunter again just because i've already said it 20 times in three sentences uh but let's get into it um this episode is about monster hunter because i've been playing a lot of monster hunter rise recently and uh peter you mentioned to me that you've been you've recently started monster hunter world and dom uh, a few months ago, you were really, really excited about uh, doing a possible Monster Hunter World episode because you've been, uh, started that up, I want to say, in, uh, uh, in the second half of 2020. So, again, all three of us are in different stages of playing Monster Hunter, and I want to just talk about all of that. So, um, uh, Adam, let's start with you. Uh, how did you sure. start playing Monster Hunter, and what's. Um, T- tell me a little bit about maybe what's a a typical recent hunt. Like, just to tell us about your story.
2: Um, so for me, uh, my story with Monster Hunter kind of began after I upgraded my PC, and um, a friend of mine who played World a lot was like, "Hey, you should come play World with me now that your computer can actually run the game." So, <laughs> and and around around when was this? Uh, I upgraded my computer around November. Ish. Honestly, I was kinda of expecting just oh was just one of those like co-op games I'm gonna play for a couple weeks at most and then just you know throw into the abyss of my Steam backlog. But um it was like really one of those wow, this game is like really fantastic, like moments where um I could really lose myself like in the game again because um up until that point Uh, I started kinda, I guess I started feeling the burnout from playing games, and, like, I I could just, I could, like, play a game, but I could never really quite get into it the same way that I used to, but, um, upon playing World, you know, I, like, that feeling came back again, and, yeah, I've been playing it daily ever since, pretty much. (laughs) Wow, and so
0: this has been something like seven or eight months?
2: Um, yeah approaching like 6 months, yeah, 6 7 months now.
0: Cool. So uh, uh so you're near you're at or near the end game content of World, which is uh, that's a lot of hours. I'm not I, I don't give me, you don't need to give me a number, but uh, playing it almost every day for 6 or 7 months uh, that can be um, and Monster Hunter's World in particular is broad and deep. So uh like like uh what is do, do you have a favorite weapon or favorite style?
2: Um, yeah, i Well, I started the game with, um, the bow guns for, because that was like just the most familiar thing for me at the time. But, uh, personally, I really, I really enjoy the hammer. <laughs> <because> <laughs> it is, it is kind of my spirit weapon. I, I just love the, I just love those, especially arenas with slopes in them where I can just completely take advantage of and abuse the hell out of the, um, the spin attack that the hammer has the the the, the
0: aerial uh windmill yeah, spin yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. and then like you combo that into the clutch claw for, and with iceborne or in iceborne rather and um yeah i just love doing that <laughs> i'm i'm also a hammer
0: main and what if i could tell you there was a another monster hunter game that let you do that move on command without a slope oh
2: i'm all ears <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, but uh, it's interesting that you would start with bowgun because I think that the bowgun is one of the hardest weapons to start with, only because I mean it's completely different from using the melee weapons. But also you need a bunch of extra stuff when you're started when you're doing a bowgun, like a, like uh, uh, like learning all the different types of ammo, and you're you're spending money on ammo and uh, and. Um, and, and like your inventory is going to be sort of shaped very differently. I I, uh, it, I, I have messed around with bowguns before, but I always think of it as like an ideal second or third weapon because you, you, like you should have just a supply of of uh, materials and zenny just so you can actually make the bowgun stuff you want. Was, was, oh, yeah. was it was it a struggle like um, to just having the gunpowder and the husk berries or or whatever um, doing early bowgun?
2: Um, I think the problem. For bowguns, I feel like is, uh, how do you call it? I feel like a lot of them are balanced around, like their level three, like their highest tier ammos, and not having access to those for a long time really, I don't know. Like my my time playing with bowguns was pretty difficult, simply because I feel they traded a lot of power away early on for the late game power you can potentially get once you like have the high end gear. But like ammo and otherwise, I think um, I think World did a pretty decent job. Like every hunt you start, if you just go into the the what do you call it? the supply crate, they usually have a bunch of ammo for you there already. And it's usually stuff I was using anyways, like spread ammo or pierce ammo. So um, actually, I like I don't think the like the it, like the supply part of it was really a big issue for me. It was more just the general power level <laughs> early on. Mm-hmm. When I st- when I first
0: started playing Monster Hunter in the PS in the PSP era, um, supply was a big issue because I mean you don't have a separate ammo pouch; everything just goes into your general inventory, yeah. and uh, I-, I never had enough room for the stuff I wanted. I was uh, I-, I I would run out of the right stuff all the time because like you should bring ammo and crafting materials for the next ammo and look, kind of deal. And I I only really got into bowgunning when um, there was a couple monsters that were just way too hard. For, or, or I really struggled um, to properly hammer or greatsword or sword and shield, which were the the three um, um, weapons I used the most back in the PSP days. But uh, I, I would like to talk more bowguns and, and weapon styles with you, Dom, but let's move on to um, Peter first. Uh, Peter, you started playing um, more recently than Dom did, so how has your Monster Hunter journey been so far?
1: Uh, so far, it's been really good. Um, so... Um... A bit of background, I for the longest time I was very much of the opinion that I would not enjoy Monster Hunter. Um I had a pretty limited experience with the series. Um you know, I tried playing the demo for 3 Ultimate on the Wii U um and didn't like it. And I had a friend who was really trying to talk me into playing Monster Hunter 4 on the 3DS and I was just kind of like mm-hmm. um
0: I think I, it would it have been four ultimate because I I don't think North America got regular four. Yeah,
1: it was probably four ultimate. Yeah, I'm mean, I'm just uh, generalizing. Yeah,
0: yeah, it, it would have been the same as four, but with all the extra content because, because um, right, uh, most right. of, uh, Iceborne is a, is a little different actually, but most of the time when there's a second Monster Hunter release, it's an expanded version of the original. It, it's it, 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 they've been doing it since uh, oh geez, I think I think since the P since the PS2 era.
1: Yeah, so it really wasn't until they announced Monster Hunter World at E three, um, which was just a, we were in the press conference at that point. It was a really awesome show. Um, yeah, and that, that, was that like, would
0: have been that would have been twenty um, seventeen, and you and I yeah. were in the auditor in the Sony auditorium together for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was just like okay, and I was like okay, that looks cool, and a lot of the quality of life fixes they made, you know, some of the adjustments. Um, really made the game seem more appealing to me. I still never really got into it until I got my PS5, which, um, for those who don't know, the PlayStation 5, if you are a PlayStation Plus member, you have access to a collection of games that were previously included on PS Plus, and one of those is Vanilla Monster Hunter World. So at that point, I was just like, you know, hearing people talk about the new game, Rise, and um, the enthusiasm rubbed off on me. I think Eva and Mark, um, other RPG fan staffers, were playing World at the time. I was like, okay, you know what? This is meant to be. So I downloaded it, and I've been really enjoying it. Um, I, uh, I'm i still relatively early on. Um, I, I, got, I, I got the Iceborne expansion separately. Mm. so i could have the whole experience and um i'm still slowly making my way through the main story i think i'm about to head into the first siege mission with a uh, zora Magdaros. Um, okay
0: so that, that's that's around the halfway point of regular world i think what, what was the what was the last new monster you hunted
1: and uh, i uh Anginath.
0: all right yeah I, that, that's uh so you're you're not at high rank stuff yet um no, yeah. Does, does that sound about right Dom like around the halfway yeah. point of a vanilla world? Yeah, that sounds
2: about right. About right.
1: Huh, interesting. I guess I'm further than I thought in the sto- short the story then. But I um, I mean the story is uh, I, I I I'm not playing this for the for the for the engaging <laughs> plot. No. I'm playing I'm playing ever with the my handler and her creepy uncanny face. Um no um I'm playing this because the world design is really interesting and tight. And it makes um the envir- it just makes the environments feel like a living ecosystem. I like following monsters through their habitats and like watching them in- the systems engage um if you're if you're a very systems driven type of gamer um I think monster hunter, especially world um will appeal to you because as I'm discovering, it's very fun finding a weapon type you like and Learning a monster's like path through the environment and tracking them down and learning their attack patterns and having them engage with stuff that you find in the environment. Like, um, I guess because there was like a Final Fantasy um crossover, I was hunting a Baroth, mm-hmm. um, the big old rock monster, rock dinosaur, and um, there's a cactuar from Final Fantasy. Just chilling out in the environment and it and I hit it on accident, and that killed the bear off with a thousand needles and i'm like, okay, that is awesome <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I, I hope I hope i haven't repeated this on other podcasts, but th- there was a final Fantasy fourteen crossover in twenty eighteen that uh resulted in things like Cactuars in the uh in the environment and uh, it, it was a permanent crossover and not a limited time one, so you can still play uh that in in monster hunter world and in final fantasy 14 um mm-hmm. I, I believe in addition to the cactuar thing there you can find you can fight a giant kuluyaku that finds a crystal and wields the crystal like it like it does eggs or rocks in the in the <laughs> game um and also fight uh, a giant uh final fantasy behemoth which was one of the last things i attempted to fight when i was binging on monster hunter world super hard in 2018 but i never i never fought it and then get uh dragoon
1: armor from the from that battle yeah, uh, see so I I feel like I'm gonna wind up wanting to do that. Um, and but then
0: in, in but then around the level seventy content in Final Fantasy fourteen, you can hunt a Rathalos. And mm-hmm. uh in the extreme version of the Rathalos uh uh trial, it adds Monster Hunter rules where uh, you get the game over if three people die and uh mm. and and uh, there's no um there's no uh, area of effect telegraphs, you have to learn the Rathalos' patterns properly. <laughs>
1: yep and no um and no healing outside of the mega potions that they give you yes they Um, give you
0: mega potions and you can't heal other than the mega potions which is why that fight is almost ideally done with um a tank and three dps and no healer because every because suddenly in that in that ff14 trial everyone is an equally good healer mm -hmm. with apologies to to white Mage mains.
1: honestly um not to get too into FF14 stuff, but um, Eva and I have been farming that Rathalos fight because we both want the mount. Uh, oh, which the, is...
0: the the normal version or the extreme version?
1: The extreme version, because oh, the nice. the, the, ex- the extreme version um, is the one with where, with the mount, which you can either right. get by farming it fifty times, um, and collecting fifty scales, or um, it's an c- incredibly rare drop. Um, we have not gotten it to drop. Um, but um, that fight is really interesting because um, uh, if you're running it at unsynced, we're so like we're all running it as, as level 80 characters in level 70 content.
0: Mm, so that, that, that makes it a lot easier.
1: It makes it a lot easier. Um, I, I, would, I wouldn't even actually say it makes it a lot easier. It makes it slightly easier. <laughs> because uh, the Rathalos will do this thing where it, it targets your character for a massive AoE fireball... And it will do this three times in a row. And your only recourse at that point is to get... um, I I think in the synced version, you're supposed to stack up. But honestly, it makes more sense for you to take each fireball, mega potion through it each time, and then have the rest of the party just wail on it (laughs) uh, while it's focused on you. Because it's the only time it is guaranteed to be targeting one player. Um so it's interesting but everyone who's doing it has to be on the same page. We we've had a couple runs where someone who joined us got really mad at us for like having a different strat than they were used to. Oh,
0: oh oh yeah. I mean but, but that totally fits like having to do weird monster hunter exploitative strats in FF14 and having to do FF14 AoE stuff in Monster Hunter World is Absolutely, something that they did intentionally with those fights. Yeah. They, they, there's a you, you basically have to dodge a giant meteor AOE in in World when you fight the behemoth, by, right. uh, by, yeah. Um, by, by yeah, but by timing um, like either standing behind an obstacle or timing a, a an invincible dodge just in time, uh, which mm-hmm. is a, a, again slightly more MMO than Monster Hunter players are used to.
1: You, you we point out the similarities um, in those in those um, crossover content. But really, um, Monster Hunter has a lot of MMO in its DNA. I find um, it's not really an MMO, strictly speaking. It does have a heavy multiplayer component, and I think that's part of the fun, you know, because like you you can join up with other players, and 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 and, they, and world does a good job of like having like the ad hoc like people can jump into your missions if you let them, um, your your quests. Um, And uh, you can jump into theirs if they fire up a flare, so it really does kind of give a sense that like you have like an active community of of uh, hunters like looking do with all with the same goals, and it's quite fun. Um,
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. It's and um, you can solo everything completely yourself if you want, but the multiplayer is so fun and adds such a dynamic to it that I. Like if, if someone tells me that they only play Monster Hunter solo, I'm kind I I kind of think like man, what are you doing? Like that, that you're defeating the point a little bit. Um, my my regular Monster Hunting partner for a long time only liked playing with others if they like if they were like same room with him, but uh, but but playing World got him to uh, embrace the online a little more, which was which was a relief because he. He can be quite stubborn about um his 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 gaming tendencies and opinions but uh, uh peter do you have a favorite weapon or a favorite kind of hunt that you do
1: uh so so far i am really digging the long sword um i find it to be a good balance of like it's not as slow as other weapons but it still feels like it packs a punch especially when you um you build up your gauge and start using your r2 attacks um uh which are these like big sweeping attacks um uh i I'm curious to try out great sword at some point because I do like the idea of like you know having these this a little more power even if it is slower and possibly trying gun lance because I'm very curious um
0: I, I, I uh I haven't done a lot of Gunlance, but uh recently playing Rise, Gunlance has a couple moves that are so insane that I am more interested in Gunlance than ever. You you can mm-hmm. basically um like hold it behind you and jet forward like and do like super rocket dashes with it now. You can basically Gunlance, Rocket Jump and Rise, which <laughs> is real wild um but th- th- this is amusing because like we have a hammer main so and, and a long sword main and those are the two weapons i use the most in monster hunter world uh i'll, I'll but i'll go into in my own background a little bit um uh, my, my uh my best friend who is uh from panama one time uh in the late 2000s visited some family in panama and uh and came back uh, like playing some Monster Hunter Freedom 2 with them, saying, "Hey, you and I need to get need to play more Monster Hunter." And I'm like, "All right, sure, I'll I'll play this weird PSP thing that I've read about in magazines a little bit." Um, so and uh, and again, this was I think 2008. My first Monster Hunter game was Monster Hunter Freedom 2. And uh, when the, when the expanded version of Freedom 2, which is called Freedom Unite uh, in the West, was was like coming out in Japan, I was following that uh, that that news story in 2009, basically. And like again, and, like the, the the cover monster for that one was Nargakuga, and I was like, and uh, but they were translating it as Naruga Karuga, <laughs> back in <laughs> back in 09, and I and then I played that a lot when it came out in 2010 worldwide. So. Uh, just hundreds of hours of Monster Hunter from 08 to 2010 uh, mostly with my best friend and I sort of dropped off that when he uh, when he moved and we, for a while we even tried to play PSP Monster Hunter online with a PS3 application called Ad Hoc Party where you like use your PS3 as a mobile hotspot to play local pl- multiplayer online. It, if, it, if it sounds messy it, it, it 100% is.
1: Woof! <laughs> that sounds like a time.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. We we got it working a couple times, but but it, it did not last. Our ad hoc party adventure. <laughs> but uh, and then and then I tried playing the third and fourth generation Monster Hunter games a little bit. I was I I followed the. Japanese release of their last PSP game, uh, which was uh, which was Portable 3rd. Uh, it's the one that debuted Zenoger. Um, I think it came out in 2010 or 2011 in Japan, but uh, that one never came out in the United States. So I, uh, I have an import copy of it, but have not put a ton of hours into it. Um, I, I tried playing Monster Hunter Tri for the Wii and did not like it at all. I completely skipped the Gen 4 Monster Hunter games, but eventually tried to play Generations on the 3DS and thought it was all right, but but not really what I wanted at the time. Um, that was after uh, World was revealed in 2017, but before I started playing World in 2018. But then Monster Hunter World came around. Uh, my friend that had also skipped Gens 3 and 4 with me uh, got back into it, and I played a frankly irresponsible amount of Monster Hunter World in 2018. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, some Like, we're talking... Um, I, I really only played it for about six or seven months, but I... Uh, I Cleared almost all the content. We got into uh, uh, there was a lot of Kulve Taroth hunts. Um, I I got into I, I think I stopped playing. Oh, around like tempered elder dragons like tempered Teostra and Kushala This this would have been, th- this would have been summer of 2018. And I try I, I I tried the behemoth hunts several times. I think I I think we cleared it once, but I hated it so much, that, or or was struggled with it so much that I never really I never really tried to farm it, like like tried to uh, really grind at the behemoth. But that was around when I stopped playing. It was like in a, a month or two after Behemoth dropped in summer of 2018 is when my Monster Hunter World career ended. So I haven't done any of the Iceborne content, but I had a lot of fun with Monster Hunter World in 2018 and on the PSP in 2008 2010 so then fast forward to 2021 and monster hunter rise comes out it looks good i'm interested in it and i watched the trailers of the new monsters excitedly but i'm like i'm not going to play this i got i got a podcast to run i want to play a bunch of a bunch of backlog rpgs in in 2021 i don't need this in my life but my my regular monster hunter playing partner who has not owned a nintendo uh console since the game boy color uh again he he never had i think he had a, a super nintendo and a game boy color in around let's say 1999 um he bought a switch just to play rise because he felt the monster hunter itch again and i of course already had a switch but uh he talked me into picking up a copy of rise for myself and this would have been uh, i think the game had been out for a few weeks this was like middle of april and now i'm over a hundred hours in i uh I have been playing the Bejesus out of Monster Hunter Rise. Mm-hmm. I have um cleared every hunt in the game except for Valstrax. I like just unlocked Valstrax and uh and beat the all of the story missions and, and a couple of the Apex hunts. So uh and Valstrax was added in the in the May twenty eighth update, or maybe May twenty seventh update. So I uh I, I am near the end of what has come out for that game but i've had i'm having so much fun uh, rise might be my favorite monster hunter now i'm not i'm not sure but it it it's a it's an at least a debate and i'm having a blast uh, but but my monster hunter playing style has sort of evolved over the years I, I think i mentioned in the psp i played a lot of great sword and hammer and then and and then uh, dom you were talking about trying the bow guns early i hated the bow guns early but i had so much difficulty hunting plezioth and gravios with the, with the hammer and greatsword, cuz uh, i don't know i mean there's a legendary uh uh the 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 hit hitbox in old monster hunter games is legendary for like they'll do a hip check while you're in like a different part of the room and you'll still get hit by it yeah uh, yeah like I, I was i was so frustrated trying to melee a couple monsters that i that i picked up the great bow gun i'm, I'm sorry the heavy bow gun just for those hunts, and then it ended up working beautifully. Like, like, oh, using thund- lightning pierce—I'm sorry, thunder pierce on Plesioth and water pierce on Gravios is way easier than trying to hammer them. And I, uh, like, and that evolved that way. And in world, I mained hammer again because hammer is my spirit weapon. I, I am, I am a graduate of the school of bonk. But I also played um, a mm-hmm. lot of longsword um, because I wanted a weapon just for tail cutting, and uh, and and longsword got an upgrade in world like a long sword feels good in world um but it but it's like building that meter to get the red glow and then building the meter to get your r2 combo uh going and then trying to uh, sort of keep your keep your meters high and balance between more more careful uh overhead swings with the fancy r2 combo it is r2 i'm mm-hmm. not i'm not misremembering that right peter
1: uh yes i believe yeah. so yeah right. okay, it, yeah it is
0: uh, it, that's really fun, but th- then in Rise, I decided I, I wanted to um, I wanted to avoid longsword a little bit because longsword is by far the most popular weapon in Rise. They gave it a really good free counter and uh, and a couple really good extra moves that that, that it's um, I, I don't, this wasn't the case in World, but it, it's it is by far the most common weapon in uh, in Rise. So I, I decided to avoid longsword. I'm still hammering, but my uh, th- the weapon I have sort of taken on as my second main in Rise is the sword and shield because uh, the, the combos are really fun and it has uh, uh, a move called Metsu Shoryugeki which is basically a giant shield uppercut that uh, can that can counter any move and um, and when you reach the top of the uppercut you can either descend with like a downward shield punch or a downward sword stab and uh, and it, it deals an incredible amount of impact damage so you can do almost as much knocking out with a sword and shield as you can with a hammer. Uh, Almost, but not not quite as much. So I I love the Sword and Shield and Rise, and I have been mostly playing Hammer and SNS, but uh, having a great time. Um, I played a little bit of SNS on the uh, on the PSP, but that was just for fighting uh, Copper Blangonga, or uh, I I I hate the name Blangonga, so I, I usually called him a Big Blango or a Boss Blango, because uh, Blangos are like the regular monkeys, and the Blangongas are like the king monkeys, um, mm-hmm. and 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 Rajang, just because. Uh, just because those two guys were annoying to hammer a greatsword. Um, so similar to uh, my hatred of Plesioth and Gravios, but not not quite as dramatic. But th- that's kind of Monster Hunter in, in a nutshell. It's had five generations of games um, developed across two separate teams in Capcom with 14 weapon types, hundreds of monsters, and, and uh, new environments and new styles and wrinkles with every new game. Um, there there are 14 weapon types, Uh and I, I think um, I think in Iceborne, uh, they have over 100 large monsters as boss fights, uh, with the base game being around, uh, around 60 to 65 range. And, uh, and Rise has, I, I think, around the same amount as, uh, as Vanilla Monster Hunter World, around, around 60 to 65 large monsters, but they're adding more every month. And it will, it will eventually have its, its, uh, its Freedom Unite World Iceborne Super Turbo version in probably a year or a year and a half. But I mean, I mean, that's what it is. It, Monster Hunter is about exploring these crazy environments and settings, mastering the weapons of your choice and learning the patterns of and behaviors of these monsters to sort of master a, a set of boss fights. And that loop and, and the loop is only really fight monsters, make stronger weapons and armor, fight more, bigger, different monsters. But it's once you get into it, that loop is hypnotic and uh uh and and dom you've been playing it every day for for months um uh, so so you're so you've definitely learned that and peter uh you're you're at least learning that um dom if you're hunting like like, what are you hunting now like is there is there a current um armor or weapons that you're working on
2: um i mean i've i've pretty much gotten the quote-unquote best armor in iceborne already so i'm just doing hunts for fun now but um, I mean, I've, I'm i pretty much just trying to, I guess, do the Dark Souls thing and solo clear the bosses.
0: Oh boy! So, but, I, I, like, how how far have you gotten? Um, uh, I've talking? gotten to,
2: I'm I'm still struggling with Fatalis, but I've managed to clear up to Alatreon.
0: Oh, so you're only struggling so. with the hardest monster in the entire series? <laughs> oh, goody!
2: <laughs>
0: there are but, um, there are three monsters in Monster Hunter that are called the Forbidden Monsters. And um, that's because Capcom does not acknowledge them on any guide material or promotional material. It, it will it will show trailers of them when they like release on new systems. But they're sort of the Capcom just puts them in games, says these are the hardest monsters. You're not gonna we're not gonna tell you how to fight them. You just these are only for the challenge hounds. And those monsters are Fatalis and its variants, uh, Alatrion, which you mentioned, and a, another black dragon called Dire Morales, which is not in Monster Hunter World. So yeah, um, Dom, you, you are solo clearing the hardest monster hunter, the hardest <laughs> monsters in the whole series. That is, that is where you are in the game right now. Um, I'm not quite there. I, I, I did clear Fatalis a couple times in the PSP games with weird exploits and, and hunting online, but, but never even fought it in Worlds because I don't think it was added until Iceborne.
2: Yeah, it was the final um, post-release monster update. Vitalis, Sounds about right.
0: Was it? Is it only the black one, or do they also add crimson and white?
2: Uh, it's only the black one. Okay. But Yeah, you know, I think the community is trying to make some sort of mod for like the <laughs> other variants, or they have already. But um, officially, it's only black V-Talus in the game. The crimson one is basically way more dragon elemental
0: nonsense, and white is uh, a lot more lightning. But they're 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 similar. I mean, uh, um, in appearance wise, I think like the white one has like is supposed to be a very old Fatalis, so it has more like beard like hair, and the crimson <laughs> one I think comes with one horn broken because it's like some extra angry Fatalis.
2: Sounds about right. Is like, yeah, without its tail? <laughs> sort of furious variation.
0: Right, or the uh, or the um, the uh, Bloodbath Diablos for a couple of the Gen Four games that that are that has a a scar over its eye. And one broken horn, and and with its second horn having being massively overgrown. Um, oh, yeah, I, I think the Japanese name for it was Massacre Diablos. So I was I was like before it came out, uh, before Generations Ultimate came out in English, I was I was reading articles like, oh yeah, Massacre Diablos final final encounter in the in the in the Switch Monster Hunter game. I'm like Jesus Christ, I don't want to fight anything that's called that has Massacre as its adjective. <laughs> And Diablos is already an aggressive monster so imagine just the most aggressive Diablos that's ever been and that's, that's what you're looking at with a, a massacre slash bloodbath Diablos <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Peter have you fought a, a, a Diablos yet because I think that um if you haven't you probably are soon I think you probably just unlocked one after after, or maybe just after the Zora Magdoros fight
1: yeah I haven't fought it yet but um yeah I think it's coming up because I've, I've been like poking around that uh that zone for a while um uh, looking, you know, for Baroth and a couple other monsters, and there are like signs of it that it's there. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, not actually a mission yet. Um, yeah,
0: that, but have you ever run into monsters that are sort of way above your level, but you just run into them hunting for something else?
1: Yes. So um, the Rathian can show up in um, Ancient Forest, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I've been hunting T- Todi Kadachi, um, the big electric flying squirrel thing. Yep, mm-hmm. because um, I I really like its um, armor set, and I want to upgrade it. So I was I I farmed everything I needed to get it, and now I'm just doing hunts to get the spheres I need. But, oh, that
0: that, um, that 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 sounds like a Monster Hunter like um like personally established quest to me. I, I've been there. It's like <laughs> like oh I kind of like this thing, and I kind of need to upgrade my armor. I'll just. Before I progress, I'll just, I'll just hunt a little more of this guy. Like, I, I've 1,000% been there. Mm-hmm.
1: But um, I I think, I, I can't remember if it was an investigation um, or an expedition, which we need to talk about Monster Hunter and its use of basically interchangeable terminology to mean different things. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, uh, but basically during that fight, the Rathian was in the ancient forest, and they kept getting into fights. Um Um, Which is neat, like, from a gameplay standpoint. I think it's really neat that two monsters can, like, get into fights with each other. But at the same time, it's just like, okay, I want to hunt this thing, but this big freaking dragon keeps descending from on high and wrecking its shit. That that was uh, something
0: that World expanded upon a lot. Um, Because in the old Monster Hunter games before World, uh, monsters did not interact in the same way. The settings were not contiguous, they were divided into zones with loading times in between a lot of areas, but World introduced this contiguous, um, no-loading screen, uh, setting for all of its major maps. It had more interactables with the environment, and monsters would interact with each other and the environment more, so you could do stuff in World that you couldn't dream of in the older games, like, uh, like, oh, I don't know, um, uh, setting off a miniature avalanche with, by shooting some suspended stones and having them do a lot of damage. You can, uh, uh, like by attacking some roots at the top of the waterfall in the ancient forest you can mm. make a giant rush of water knock whatever you're fighting off the waterfall uh, I, including Rathian and rob Rothalos i think i think um and also it, it improves things like inventory management and uh and and some basic actions of combat so much that it's it's so hard for me to go back to old monster hunter i'm not I'm not sure I ever want to even though i have i've, I've experimented a couple times like like that that copy of Monster Hunter Generations for the 3DS that I bought in uh, in in, the, in late 2017. Um, like I, I've gone back to that just to mess around, but it's like, oh no, I don't want to do this at all. No, no, back, uh, <laughs> this is uh, uh, it, it's hard to go back once you um, really get into the fifth generation Monster Hunter games. And and I've uh, been messing around, uh, skirting around a little bit. Uh, um, Rise and World are not separate generations because Monster Hunter has always operated with two different teams. Um, the first team was uh, headed by uh, originally headed by Ryozo Sujimoto, who's the grandson of the founder of Capcom. There's there's a bunch of Capcom founder family in the in, in as executives and designers in in the company, um, and he I, I think he sort of has been the lead executive producer behind Monster Hunter for something like 15 years, almost since the beginning, and then uh, they made the first Monster Hunter PSP game as a port of the PS2 of the PS2 game, uh, and it was headed by a guy, named, I forget his first name, but he's a. They, it's uh, Ichinose San is the uh, is the guy who has always been the head of the portable Monster Hunter teams. So for the first couple generations, like the main team were, was on the PS2, while the portable team made the PSP games. And Monster Hunter exploded in, Jap- in popularity in Japan on the PSP. Um, the second and third PSP games, uh, or uh, I should say the, the I, I think Freedom, the uh, mm, what is it the the expansion second generation game and the third generation PSP game were the top two m- selling Monster Hunter games ever for a long time until World came out. So for a while, Monster Hunter sort of lived in the portable systems. And the and in, in the third generation, the main team worked on the Wii and Wii U while the portable team stayed in the PSP. In the fourth generation, both the main team and the portable team were focused on the 3DS. So they were sort of all technically portable, but they were still in the sort of Team 1, Team 2 Uh, Attitude, but now the main team made Monster Hunter World, which was started out as PS4, uh, Xbox One, and then eventually had a PSP port. And the portable team made Monster Hunter Rise, which is on the Switch, and will be getting a PSP port next year.
2: So. PC, PC. Yeah,
0: go. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. PC. I, I, I'm just. I.
1: I would be. I would be incredibly impressed if they got them to run on a PC. Me too. <laughs> I would have to. I would probably have
0: to get a new PSP because I think all three of the ones I have in storage right now are broken. <laughs> like, like if, if, if you were a PSP person that played a lot of like Dissidia or Monster Hunter Freedom, you probably have more than one PSP. <laughs> ah, Dissidia. They they, they they were not the most durable machines, um, uh, but. So, and, and Inchinose is the director of of Rise. Uh, he's been the director of all the por- of all the ones on the portable team. But I think um, Tsujimoto did not direct World or Iceborne. Now he's kind of a series. Now he's kind of like a series main executive guy. And uh, some longtime Monster Hunter designers were the lead the, were the project leads on World and Iceborne. And, and the two teams they share. St- they share staff and materials and resources a lot of course and like like they'll, they'll bring monsters that were in one game into the other team's games and there's, and there's a lot of crossover but they re- but they've always had different directors and sort of different focuses and um the the, the main series games are usually more grand like they you feel like you're more sort of a uh, like part of a mission uh, and, and, and they, they really focus on like the drama of introducing monsters and hunts while the portable games are a little bit a little bit cozier instead of being on a big mission you're usually just defending a village that's beset by monsters and is more and uh that the monsters are a little bit more grounded in the main series games and will, it'll have more dinosaurs and leviathans while the ones the psp ones will have more weird dragons and stuff that just seems impossible that that, that almost feel too outlandish for, for world uh and, and i think it's just the attitudes of the different directors like like the the, the portable games will get a little sillier and the, and the uh, main series games try to be a little bit more like you're you're hunting monsters that could be real things. <laughs>
1: the, the, port- the portable games are where we got a jet engine dragon, right?
0: Yeah, yes. It, the jet engine <laughs> dragon and the uh, Bloodbath Diablos are the sort of two late-game bosses of, uh, of, of the, the last one. Uh, the, the other end-game boss in the last uh, portable one from Gen 4 is a mantis spider... That stitches together the ruins of an ancient civilization to make a giant mecca, mate. That's like that's like looks like an Egyptian pharaoh, kind of deal. <laughs> so yeah, that that th- that's the, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a giant mantis spider that that silk binds a bunch of like old weaponry from an ancient war together into a mecha, And that that's the that's one of the final boss encounters of the Gen 4 portable games. Like, like, like that, that, that the portable games get a little
1: wilder than the main series games in terms of monster designs. You're telling me Paul Paul W.S. Anderson didn't choose this thing to put in the movie. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's called. Come an on, atal-ka. man.
0: <laughs> it's, it's called Atal Ka, if you're curious. Um, that makes sense. Uh, but and, and also like they added that sort of mechanics kind of like the Atel Ka, for the next portable game, which was Rise, because now uh in Rise, you have little fireflies that follow you around called wire bugs that you use like 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 spider silk grappling hooks and you can and you can spider man your way around around maps uh with your um with your bugs, and you have a little silk bug meter that, uh, that that limits it a little bit. And also, I mean, Monster Hunter has always had cat buddies that were, they, and those were inter- introduced in the PSP games. Uh, and they added yes. dogs. Yeah, they, they added dog buddies mm-hmm. in Rise as well, yep. so just to make traveling around a little bit easier. So, like like World is still focused a little bit on the grand adventure and the ritual of Monster Hunter, while Rise is more about World just give them more powers and more silly things to do, and let you get to the monster hunting faster. In a way that like it feels more Arcady than Monster Hunter World, which is part of why I'm like it still has all the world improvements, like uh, like the contiguous zones and the better inventory and a couple monsters from Worlding, including Peter's uh, current quest, Toby Kebat Kadachi is one of the holdover monsters in to rise. but it it definitely goes a little sillier and a little more anime and 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 i'm not i'm not sure which i like better but i'm I, i'm having so much fun with rise that i might be leaning that way so I, I know you guys haven't played rise yet but are like are are you interested do you think it, that will be part of your monster hunter future
1: yeah
2: oh definitely once um once rise comes out on pc next year oh you mean definitely psp definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. put it on I'm vita def- I'm definitely thinking of picking it up.
0: It's uh, it, it's it's the easiest Monster Hunter, just because the, um, just because they give you so much more power and uh, and more, and more freedom. Mm-hmm. Like even just hunting the same monsters in World versus Rise, like like the Angenats and Rise are easier to do deal with than the ones in World because now I can. Silk Bug, uh, I'm sorry, Wire Bug, my way above them and do the f- the flippy, the flippy dippy hammer spinny uh, when uh, whenever I have one free one bug on my meter in- instead of having to wait for exactly the right shape slope nearby. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and and one of the new hammer uh, Silk Bug moves is a giant impact crater that deals so much damage that whenever I have enough meter for it, I don't think of doing anything else with the hammer.
2: <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> But but it's, it's a little bit thin on content because when you get get sort of to end game in Monster Hunter World, you fight tempered versions of certain monsters. Uh, they they give yeah. you they, they sort of stretch out the quest volume a little bit, um, in ways that it's really hard to see the bottom of the pool when you dive into Monster Hunter World end game. But with Monster Hunter Rise, like once I started fighting the end game monsters, I kind of finished all of them except for Valstrax, which I haven't gotten to yet. And then that's kind of it. Like it's it's more just hunt whatever you want and then um take the materials from your favorite hunts and uh try to get your best random uh uh your, your the strongest charm you can in the randomly generated charm system they instead of having random uh armor decorations they have like in world they have random uh talismans which is I think a slightly better system because it's annoying trying uh, not getting the decorations you want in in world. Oh we're... yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a little bit. It, there's still an end game grind for random uh, upgrades, but it, it's for the your accessory slot and not for your armor decoration slots. Uh, right, going from world to rise, but uh, but they have been continuously upgrading upgrading the game. They added um, six monsters in the April update and three monsters in the May update. With more to come, and, and one of the ones they added in the April update uh, was Basiljuice, a, a, a late monster in Monster Hunter World. And Peter, we're, we were talking about how Rathians sometimes crash your early hunts. Uh, monster Hunter has been doing that for decades, and maybe the part, the king party crasher of them all, is Basiljuice, which is a monster that they don't tell you about in World, but he just starts showing up in your hunts when you get when oh, you get to the right. a, around the 60 or 70 percent mark of the main story, and uh, and he's. He's a special, special boy that I would love to talk about more, but even, even back in the PSP days, the way they introduce the signature monster to you is they make you go on an unimaginably easy quest. You have to, like, you have to massacre popos, which are slow, like slow mountain yaks, basically. You have to get (laughs) a couple popo materials and then take them back to base, but without telling you there's also a tigrex in the area and um and because tigrex is the cover monster in monster hunter freedom 2 on the psp and uh like like the 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 way they sort of introduce you to the danger of being hunted by a monster instead of doing the hunting is have you do an easy popo quest while being chased by a tigrex (laughs) and monster hunter's been doing this forever um uh, uh like uh Tigrex uh, famously devil joe in generation 3 is a bit of a party crasher uh definitely basil juice in generation 5 um but that is something that's always happened and it's just sort of part of the cheekiness of how that of how that team does like they, they like they they know what the community likes and dislikes and they'll definitely they'll push their buttons in ways that I, I think is great it's they the way that the team has involved and their and how they try to make every generation have you feel more powerful and continuously making cool new monsters, uh, and but still f- never neglecting what's fun about Monster Hunter is just inspiring. I have had so much fun with Monster Hunter Rise that whenever there's any update, and they're like, hey, we're bringing back one monster from a previous generation, I'll be excited for it no matter what it is, just because it'll be something new to do in the game. But I, uh, I, I don't know if they'll continue this pace because adding six monsters in the April update was staggering, and I, I think they're gonna slow down from, from that, but uh, let's say that you guys get into monster hunter rise say next year um what's something that you love from world or an older game if you've done research that you hope makes it into rise that isn't there right now it can be anything from a monster to a setting to literally anything and if you and if you want clarifying questions i'm here for you cuz i am i obsessively research monster hunter and can probably answer them
1: i do i do think um the cover monster from Iceborne, of uh, Velcana is really cool looking. Um, oh yeah.
0: That, that 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 is an ice lady that makes all kind that does all kinds of uh I don't know may, maybe like a gray fairy tale or a marvel's iceman kind of uh kind of kind of um ice barrier making. Uh, is that is that a fair comparison, Dom? Cuz you 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 you've, yeah. <laughs> you, you've, you've, you've hunted so. more you've hunted more Velcana than I have.
1: <laughs> in in traditional me fashion, it reminds me of Trishula, Dragon of the Ice Barrier from Yu Gi Oh. So sure. um, right away, I'm just going to be like, yeah, I want, I want that. So
2: <laughs> is the Velkana fight a
0: fun one? Because I, I never, I never really played Iceborn, mm. so I never got to hunt a Velkana.
2: Mm, I'd say it's, it's, it's. I'd say I'd say I'd say her tempered version is the best fight mm. because the base version is a bit too easy. And her arc tempered version is just absolutely hell on earth. So, <laughs> I'd say her tempered version is the best version. But I do appreciate the Velkana fight. I think it's a very solid, um, just a very well designed mm-hmm. fight overall.
0: I, I mean, I, I'm not the biggest Monster Hunter Challenge hound, but I I have hunted a couple. Of, uh, uh, like I've done the the tempered double basil juice from the from the Monster Hunter mm-hmm. World End game. But I, I, again, I stopped hunting around tempered elder dragons so i I don't know i don't know how well i could handle a tempered an arc tempered valcana but that 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 does sound pretty good
2: um i guess in rise i'd really like some of the some of the elder dragons from world that i enjoyed a lot or an iceborne like namiel or uh i guess ner Ner as well Okay, now I definitely know Nurgigante.
0: I I farmed <laughs> I farmed little Nergigante. He's the he's the cover monster of World. But Namiel, I, I never I never fought. Is that is that the sort of water thunder
2: one? Yeah, she's she's the it's the jellyfish underwater themed monster. Right. It's just fantastic. I I love it. It's such a unique take on like what you might think of as a dragon as well.
0: I, I, have know, hunted, fire, yeah, I, I have not hunted. I've not hunted a Namiel, but I have seen it appear on favorites lists before. Is how I'm most familiar with it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I haven't fought it yet, but I do love Nergigante just because it subscribes to the design ethos of add more spikes, um, <laughs> yeah. and and I, I vibe with that. It's just it's a very big, angry, spiky boy. Well, uh,
0: my favorite new monster in Rise is probably the cover monster, Magnamalo. Um, which is a samurai, tiger, hellfire armor thing full of blades where there should not be blades. But it, it, it reminds me of the Nur fight a lot because um, uh, Magnamalo hits hard as hell, uh, and is very aggressive and predatory in its in its behaviors. But like Nergigante, they n- are never unfair with Magnamalo. They uh, like mm. with both of those monsters, they they give you a tell for every kind of move. Like like you, yeah. you you'll see Nergigante's wing or or foreleg lower depending on which direction the shoulder tackle is going to be. And uh, if like it, it it both of those are monsters that are they hit way too hard. For the armor level you probably have when you first meet them, but everything is telegraphed in a way that is challenging but feels like a fair challenge. Uh, I think both Magnamalo and Nergigante are sort of walls in the mid game or just beginning of the end game in their respective games, but are awesome. Uh, my favorite monster in Rise is it's either it's either Gosserag or Magnamalo, uh, and Ghazroag is a sort of a like in between a uh, a, a yeti and a polar bear and a japanese mountain ogre that makes swords and clubs for itself out of ice that's k- kind of awesome and and, uh, and and I dig that and and, and, <laughs> and if you're stunned uh and and it's in range of you It'll lumber towards you, dragging its ice blade on the on the uh, on the ground next to it, like, like it's like it's Jason Voorhees. It's awesome. I, lo- I love Gossarag, <laughs> but 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 Gossarag is a l- is a little on the easier side for a second half monster. While Magnemelo is a little on the harder side for a second half monster, uh, at least personally. But I I, I enjoy mm. both of them so much that I made multiples of their weapons. Uh, the the Gossarag hammer is just a giant ice club. It's it's the <laughs> it, it's the it's it's beautifully simple in its design. <laughs>
2: There you go. I got got behind that. Yeah.
0: Oh you trust me, you are gonna want you're gonna want hammers out of both of those guys on. Um but for me personally, uh I I think we maybe we mentioned this uh off air or uh, or maybe it was earlier in the episode. But um I think one monster that is very special to a lot of people, but I've only hunted a couple times and is not in Rise, but I want in Rise, is the uh the Gore Uh
1: <laughs>
0: now monster hunter games have bad stories they are not interesting like the uh like in, in the story of monster hunter world is basically you're a colonizer and and dragons are getting weird and the story of rise is uh there's a big rampage of monster and monsters happening and we think it's because these two dragons are trying to have sex um and uh and and that's most of it but in uh, and and we talked about how Early in Monster Hunter Freedom 2, you, you encounter this Tigrex, but you don't get to finally take down a Tigrex until much later in the story. In Monster Hunter 4, it's the Monster Hunter story that I, that I hear that gets the most compliments. For, for me, someone on the outside looking in that never played Monster Hunter 4 or 4 Ultimate. Uh, but you encounter a Gormagala pretty early. It, it, it sort of hunts you and party crashes you a couple times, kind of like, kind of like we described the Devil Joe or the Tigrex doing. But eventually you do get defeat- to defeat it around the midpoint of the game. But the, the Gormagala is also making other monsters go weird because it, the the hairs or scales that it sheds um, mm-hmm. uh, give monsters a virus that, has the, that that changes their behaviors. But then, after you defeat the Gormagala, you encounter it again as, the, as sort of the final boss or near-final boss of Monster Hunter 4. And it turns out the Gormagala is not a weird black dragon it's an, or a weird black wyvern, it's an adolescent elder dragon that's in the middle of shedding its skin. And it sheds mm. the weird black skin that was hanging off it like a cloak and becomes a giant golden dragon called Shigaru Magala. And the final boss is, is, the, this is after you beat the, dra- the dragon you've been hunting most of the game, it comes back as this, go- as this crazy golden god. And uh, I- I've heard that fight and that arc of, the, of hunts, as being like the the coolest part of any Monster Hunter story. So I would love to hunt a Gormagala and maybe also a Magala in Rise. But I, I've never really gotten deep into those. I, I hunted a Gormagala a couple times in Monster Hunter Generations. That's around when I stopped playing the game. So I, I would love to do that with, you know, with wire bugs and a Palamute by my side this time.
2: There's... I love how the dogs are called Palamutes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean the cat general species are called felines but with a, with a y instead of an i and dogs are called canines with a y instead of an i again. But the okay. ones that you partner up with are palicos as the cats and palamutes as the dogs. <laughs> and um you get to raise them and have them run missions for you. In Monster Hunter World they cook for you. It's uh the, the dogs and cats in this in this game are very very good boys and girls. <laughs>
1: i um i'm curious about um because i have monster hunter stories on the 3ds and the sequel is coming out as well it's a very monster hunter heavy year um but those are like turn-based rpgs with more of a pokemon-esque like monster collecting aspect which is definitely my jam um I am a little, again, because, again, I I am not enthralled by Monster Hunter World's story. (laughs) So I don't think that the plot of basically making a more Saturday morning cartoon version of it is going to win me over. But at the same time, I think those games look really cute. And I like the art style. And I am very much curious to play it.
0: I I mean, it's spoiling the very beginning of Monster Hunter Stories. I've played it, but I didn't finish it. I kind of would like to finish it later this year. Is like at the very beginning, you find a baby Rathalos, and uh, the and then a monster attacks your village. The the baby Rathalos uh, uh, tries to save you, but falls into a ravine or something. And then you meet the rat the baby Rathalos as an adult, and you team up with it again to to you know to try and save your village. Is is kind of the beginning of the game. Right. I, ho- I hope that wasn't too much of a story. But man, that baby Rathalos is so cute. Right from minute ten when you find it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to t- trying it out. And then um, as far as other Monster Hunter content that I have consumed goes, I think it's time to talk about that movie.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, That's the Paul Anderson that's much campier than the other Paul Anderson, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, this is Paul, Resident Evils 1 through 6, and Event Horizon, Anderson, not
0: And and not and, and not Paul the Master Anderson.
1: Not Paul There Will Be Blood, um, Anderson. Right. That's my go-to. But yeah, um <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. But no, um but you know what? I also don't mind Paul W.S. Anderson. Like, for all of the flack he gets, which is rightfully so, he makes a lot of very B grade movies. He's a competent action director, and the fact that there his whole career has basically been Making movies about his wife Mia Djokovic, Jovovich and being like, "Look how awesome and hot my wife is," and like, you know what? I respect the hell out of that. Um,
0: and and you know, I'm um, I, I mean, I'm not that familiar with Paul W S Anderson's oeuvre. I, again, I think I've probably seen an equal number of Paul Thomas Anderson and Paul W S Anderson movies. But um, at least in those Underworld movies, Mia Jovovich is super cool.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she's great. She's, like, she is a. She's 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 a good action star, I think, and um, uh, the, so the Monster Hunter movie is, um, weird because it's like a weird isekai plot where like Mia, Mia Jovovich is the head of a generic army squad, and they get sucked through a portal and they wind up in Monster Hunter world, which looks at first like a big old desert. Um, which is almost indistinguishable from the big old desert they were in at the beginning of the movie, which just makes me think they didn't have a lot of locations, options for this. (laughs) Um, uh, And very quickly, her team gets nabbed by a bunch of Nercillas and killed in a scene that is honestly more horrifying than anything in Paul Anderson's previous Resident Evil movies. I mean, uh, and
0: and Nersilas are giant spider monsters, listeners. So if you have an ara- if you're an arachnophobe, um, maybe go into the Monster Hunter movie with with maybe, some caution.
1: Maybe skip the scene where a guy um, has a bunch of baby spiders hatch out of his chest like a freaking alien. Ooh, oh nice. yikes! <laughs> <laughs> it is surprisingly gnarly. Um, I was not expecting that, and it was very creaky. Um, but then she teams up with Tony Jaa. Um, Action! Another very good action star here playing. Uh,
0: yeah, he's. I mean, I mean, he's Ong Bak, which makes him automatically great.
1: And he is the like the hunter of the film. Like he's got the great sword. He doesn't. They don't speak the same language, but he um, knows how to fight. And they quickly realize. She quickly realizes. Okay, I got to team up with this guy. Um, and then and they, they, to fight a Diablos, um, and that provides like the first chunk of the movie. The second half of the movie is where it gets fun because that's when Ron Perlman and his blonde himbo wig and pirate ship show up, <laughs> and and they wait, wind
0: ship. do they do they do a siege mission against like a Jen Moran or something?
1: No, I wish they do, they don't have anything that that deep a cut. Um, they uh, but they do wind up in a more foresty area, and the Meowster chef is in the movie and the, Excuse me, I think you mean the Meowskular Chef. The Meowskular Chef. My apologies <laughs> to Mister to Mister <laughs> Chef. And they they
0: I, I was I was pushing for Meowskular Chef to win RPG uh, um, side character of the year in our 2018 awards, but then Silvando happened, and I and I couldn't stop Silvando.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, Silvando is too powerful for us all.
0: Too um, powerful for us all.
1: But um and then and then that's the, in that movie that the change of scenery is more appropriately Monster Hunter. Um, Ron Perlman chewing scenery is always fun, and, um, they begin working on hunting Arathalos, which here is some kind of ancient god that also has something to do with the portal that brought Mia Jovovich to Monster Hunter World, and, um, yeah, I don't get it either, but it looks cool, it, it, the thing about this movie is, like, the monster effects are very good, which is, like, the one thing you have to get right if you're making a Monster Hunter movie, they look like, that sure looks like Arathalos, (laughs) um,
0: I mean, Rathalos and Diablos presented properly are just cool, big, giant wyvern dinosaur monsters. Uh-huh.
1: So that totally works. And then the movie ends on a bizarre cliffhanger where freaking Gormagala shows up. And, awesome. And, and um, they get ready to fight it, and then the credits start rolling, and I was, like, yelling at the <laughs> screen. <laughs> like, oh, come on, you think you're getting a sequel. But then again, the Resident Evil movie's got six sequels, so what do I know? Um, I, Paul, Paul Paul W S <laughs> Anderson knows
0: a thing or two about making a sequel, so I would. And he has obviously some kind of relationship with Capcom. If he made if he made six Resident Evil movies,
1: oh yeah, I, the, I, I the, the the world directors I think were consulting on this movie.
0: Um, oh yeah, but it probably. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, probably uh, Ryozo Sujimoto because he's the yeah. he's sort of the brand manager slash lead producer of Monster Hunter. Yeah, um, but. Uh, that's a movie I'll probably will have to see eventually, but I'm not that excited because again, I'm I'm not exactly the big the world's biggest Mia Jovovich or Paul W S, <S. <laughs> Anderson fan, but I I do respect the hustle of of both of them yeah, for I mean, what they are and what they do.
1: It <laughs> is it is very much one of their movies, and is it good? No. Is it entertaining? Yes, especially if you have buddies. Um. So. <laughs> I- but uh, I'm sorry Peter
0: I don't think we're gonna have a dedicated retro encounter episode about that movie not this time
1: yeah it's okay I mean I think I pretty much like went through everything there is to talk about already so. <laughs> oh oh there's a post credits where the meow- the meowskiller chef gets ready to fight the gor- Gormagawa 1v1 that's awesome
0: Awesome. <laughs> It, the food system in uh, in Rise does not have uh, the meowskular chef or or the grand Me- or the grand Measter chef from Iceborne. In- instead, you have a uh, a bunch of cats and a girl um, sing a song about Dango, which is again a uh, like a Japanese rice pastry um, mm-hmm. treat. And uh, and and this, the Dango system is kind of cool because you sort of choose three special upgrades, and then they give you three Dango to match those upgrades. Uh, so you can you know like customize like oh I I I'm fighting a zinogre so I'm gonna a- ask for thunder res resistance on this dongo. like th- like that system is cool mm-hmm. but um but and the and the cutscenes are cute but not nearly at the brilliant level of the muscular chef which is again I love those muscular chef cutscenes so much I wouldn't skip them I would just watch them every time because <laughs> he's he's a giant. Like fastidious muscular cat
1: <laughs> oh yeah it's 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 absolutely like something you just have to watch every time. it's like skipping the game it's like it's like how you don't skip the Game of Thrones intro if you're watching Game of Thrones some for some reason in the year of our Lord 2021 uh, but there's just some... i' I'm,
0: I'm, I'm watching I'm watching the intro on YouTube is what I'm doing with Game of Thrones in in 2021'm I'm,
1: I'm abs- abs- banger I'm absolutely not weeping into my pillow every time um, I hear that song um but um <laughs> but no it's just, there there's some things you just don't skip and the, the chef cutscenes in monster hunter are absolutely one of those things
2: <laughs> agreed like i think i don't think i've ever seen food in a game look that good eh, final yeah. fantasy 15 we'll final fantasy 15 looks pretty prepared good, but mm-hmm. it's such such a manner like i would like legitimately get hungry
0: there is a those, monster like, hunter uh cafe i think in japan and um I there, a,
1: mm.
0: yes, and I think there was a pop-up steakhouse that served Monster Hunter uh, steaks because so cooking wanted. a steak out in the uh, out in the wild is something you've done in every Monster Hunter game to my knowledge <laughs> at least since the since the PSP days. The um, um
1: the uh the uh this YouTuber I follow he went to Japan one time and went to the Capcom restaurant uh, and they had Monster Hunter nachos that were on fire. Um so that's cool. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs>
0: Yeah, okay, if we're talking about uh, about Monster Hunter crossing over into Japanese restaurants, maybe it's time to end the episode. Yeah, maybe uh, we've
1: covered the gamut.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to get excited about Monster Hunter for a, um, for a podcast, because it's been consuming a lot of my gaming time it, the past, say, five or six weeks. And yeah. thank you so much for indulging me and acknowledging me, Dom and Peter. It was great talking to both of you, because it has been too long since I talked to either of you on a podcast. <laughs> uh, something, I, I, I Don't quote me on this, but something like four or five months for each of view. Um,
1: I'm coming back. I'm coming back. It's been it's oh. been a, it's been a real roller coaster over on my end, but I'm uh, I'm kind of settling in again. So
0: oh yeah, twenty twenty one has been a wild ride, and not always the fun kind of wild ride for me as well. But for now, uh, thank you so much, uh, Dom. We got to exchange some messages about hammering techniques. Peter, I gotta you gotta text me every time you fight some crazy new thing. Um, <laughs> we, we 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 can make it all happen. But uh, for now, I think we are mostly done talking about Monster Hunter, uh, listeners. Thank you so much for. Um, listening to us, uh, you know, alternately gush and complain about Monster Hunter for over an hour. It is something that I have alternately gushed and complained about for, I guess, 13 years now, which uh, sounds about right. But let's talk about um, my other video game obsession. Uh, I should say my other video game multiplayer obsession. Next week we're doing an episode all about Final Fantasy XIV: Shadowbringers, the final, uh, the most recent, I should say, Final Fantasy XIV expansion. Uh, we've been doing a mini series on the different FF14 expansions over the course of the past year. Peter, you were on uh, an episode about, I think, uh, Realm Reborn with me earlier this year, Is yeah, that right? Yeah.
1: Yep, there I was.
0: That might have been the last time I was on an episode with you. I think, but, uh, I think
1: it was, and since then I've gotten a lot further in fourteen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh,
1: um, are you in Shadowbringers, or have you reached I it? I am in, sh- yep, I'm in the early stages of Shadowbringers now. I've, oh boy, oh boy. I'm very excited to be caught up. <laughs> uh,
0: when that episode comes out, Peter, please listen to it, but not after you've beaten the expansion, because there is so much cool sh- in Shadowbringers, that it probably needs two episodes, but it is only getting one episode, and that episode is next week, and it will be the conclusion to our Final Fantasy XIV miniseries on this podcast. But later this month, we are also doing uh, two episodes on Knights in the Nightmare, that crazy handheld RPG that blends systems and genres in such a way that I can't adequately explain it in this blurb here, (laughs) but we are doing two episodes on Knights in the Nightmare uh, later this month, and I think it's uh, it's late enough that we can talk about it. In... uh, in July, uh, we're doing an episode on near Replicant. That, that, that's the easy part of this, of this blurb. Um, but in July, Peter, we're doing something that I never wanted to do.
1: I, I never thought that I would be doing this again either, and I, um, I live every day in fear of it.
0: It is an episode, uh, one of the most discussed episodes of Retro Encounter, one that people have reached out to me about, about when we're doing another one, is happening again. On its five year anniversary, we are doing another Essential 10 episode. Uh, over, or I should say two Essential 10 episodes. In July, we're bringing back the Essential 10 and trying to come up with a list of top 10 games uh, deemed essential or most recommended by Retro Encounter. I'm not going to say anything else other than that it will be five panelists trying to reach, trying to pair a, list, a larger list of games down to 10, and I don't know how it's going to happen, and I am slightly afraid about what is going to happen. So, Peter, uh, please hold me, and we shall walk through that scary door together. But... <laughs> A considerably less scary door, or maybe a scarier door, depending on the, on uh, who you are. We're also doing two episodes for the first time on Retro Encounter, an Otome game. Um, We're having a special Ladies' Night episode about uh, Hakuoki, which is a popular... Uh, Otome games set in feudal Japan and when I tried to do some background research on what Hakuoki was, there were so many Hakuoki games and variants that I was a little bit alarmed. But um, (laughs) we were having an all female team of panelists talk about um, uh, Otome games in general and Hakuoki in particular in July we are, I, I don't know wh- I, I'd have to look it up to figure out exactly which Hakuoki game and which, or which remake they're playing but uh, there is going to be two Hakuoki episodes in uh, in in July 2021 and I've said Hakuoki so many times I'm worried that one of those times I accidentally said hockey
1: <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't hear it so if you did slip up I'm okay. sure a reader will email you uh, listeners, if you, want to,
0: if you want to reach out to us, the easiest way to do so is email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on rpgfan.com's message boards or visit our Facebook page, Instagram page, Twitter page, Discord server, YouTube channel, Twitch channel, something streaming every day on Twitch. Please interact with RPG Fan however you prefer to interact with RPG Fan. There are also three other fine podcasts on RPG Fan, Random Encounter, every two weeks about randomness, Rhythm Encounter, mostly about RPG Fan music, and Phoenix Edge, mostly weekly, uh, about a variety of topics, sometimes current events, sometimes game specific listen to those three and retro encounter at your own leisure and please leave feedback if you would like to we love feedback you give us feedback on apple Podcasts, google play or however you are doing so um but if you want to leave feedback to us as individuals how do you reach us uh starting with you peter
1: um as as usual you can find me on twitter at i have fury you can also email me uh peter t at dot
0: and dom how can listeners find you
2: I usually hang around the message boards or you can find me on the RPG fan discord.
0: Alright, and listeners, if you want to find me, the best way to do so is probably Twitter. I am at the real monsoon most of the time, at evoca for Dogs other times, and I am also Monsoon Mike on the RPG fan discord, where I don't I, I'm not there a lot, but I'm always there to post the podcast every week, so that's uh that's at least something. But uh Peter and Dom, I think all of us have hunting to do. So let's uh get our hammers and our heavy bow guns, and our insect glaives, and our charge blades, and our switch axes, and our long swords, and great swords, and dual blades, and and swords, and shields, and hunting horns, and let's go hunt some monsters. Thank you, good night, and good luck.